Welcome back, everyone, to Point of Sale, the retail supply chain show where we break down great retailers, the supply chains that move them, and of course, the data that they use to make those decisions. And I feel like it's been a while since I've just given an overall update of the news. I've been traveling a lot, spending a lot of time focusing on this new serious radio show, radio show which we'll talk about later in the episode. Uh, but I wanted to give a chance to kind of regroup and update everyone on what's going on in the news. And uh, the first one I wanted to talk about is a company we've discussed in the past, of course, is DoorDash. Now, DoorDash is really expanding its services, trying to focus itself on not just food delivery, but you know, recently getting into groceries. If you go into the DoorDash app, you'll see that they're starting to have a lot of new services, whether it's delivering flowers or overnighting certain cakes from <laughs> across uh, the the country, from California, et cetera. So they're expanding, in general, their overall um, abilities. Now, they recently came out, and a few of you might have seen this. I actually saw it. Um, it's only in select areas, and they haven't named them publicly, but they're testing a new feature, which you can see here. Uh, we can pull that image up real quick, called Return a Package. Um, so basically, how this will work is you you will seal your package, you'll attach a prepaid shipping label, um, and either a delivery person from DoorDash will come and pick that up from you, or depending on the company that they're using, uh, UPS FedEx might actually come to you and pick that up from your house. Now, if it is a DoorDash person, they'll take that to the nearest post office and that will get delivered too. So they're expanding their services. The reverse logistics market is huge. We've seen huge raises from companies like Reverse Logics uh, over the past year trying to solve this problem. Uh, actually, Uber's done it for a few years now called Uber Return. Um, they haven't really spoken much about what that's brought into the company uh, over their earnings, but uh, it is an important market that needs to be served. And I'm excited to see DoorDash, which is personally one of my favorites in regards to just overall abilities, uh, regions it serves, and, and honestly, even drivers um, seem to have the best uh, um, abilities on DoorDash and are always very polite when they come by. Uh, so I'm excited to see, again, how that works out for them. And that did come out on March 11th. I've been watching the internet, trying to see the reviews on it. Um, it's almost getting to the point where maybe I might return something just to see how it works and how it performs. I have heard that uh, when you do use it, it will only track to the post office uh, or whatever services it's using to send that out. Um, and then once it gets there, you just get a normal tracking number. So that is kind of unfortunate. You don't get the full experience, but I guess if you compare it to even its restaurants, you don't get the exact, uh, it's not like Domino's, right? Where it tells you exactly where in the oven your food is. So um, you only get the tracking ability on DoorDash returns to the store, which at the end of the day, we want to know that, of course, that return is getting there and, and not being handled by the delivery person that picked that up. So that was pretty big news earlier this month. Uh, actually, this week, we had two huge pieces of news that I wanted to touch on, too. Uh, Stored came out. Uh, the Atlanta-based store came out with their... Uh, a new integration. So they've had their cloud supply chain app that customers have used that really provides a lot of their omni-channel fulfillment solutions, um, which if you guys don't know, Stored has created a 
Omnichannel Fulfillment Network that can deliver in two days anywhere in the U.S., uh, leveraging about 500 warehouses and 20,000 carrier uh, partners. So what they're doing now is they're actually integrating their uh, supply chain app into Salesforce Commerce Cloud. So all of those who use the Salesforce uh, application are now going to be able to leverage Stores uh, Cloud supply chain application as well, which is pretty big news, especially Stored as it's trying to grow its current uh, customer base. This is going to be a really easy sell for any of its uh, sales reps who are talking with individuals who already use Salesforce for this. Um, the Commerce Cloud helps with a number of um, point of sale type of services. So really what this is going to be doing is as, as soon as that order is completed from the Salesforce Cloud, Stores uh, Cloud Supply Chain app will take over, make sure that is uh, taken out of those warehouses and delivered in a proper order. So that one was pretty huge. Uh, Stored is, is a, a great member of the Freightways community. They're always participating in a number of our summits. Um, so big shout out to them. Um, also, speaking of summits, uh, we just announced recently that uh, Gaddick, uh, the middle mile B2B autonomous delivery service, will their CEO will be speaking at our Future Supply Chain Summit, which I'm really excited about. I'm excited to meet everyone in person and um, really see all of the Great tech investors, uh, users, shippers, and carriers all represented in Rogers, Arkansas. Again, that event is in uh, Rogers, Arkansas from May 9th to May 10th. If you want inf more information on that, go to live.freightways.com. You can register for that. You can also sign up to demo your products, to um, become a sponsor of the event, um, and also just you know clearly sign up to attend that as well. So uh, Gaddick also announced this week some big news, and this is huge because we talk about a lot of times how these autonomous solutions are going to expand and be able to actually uh, be used uh, across the U.S. And this is a big point of that. They actually on Monday announced a partnership with ChargePoint. Now, ChargePoint handles a number of clearly uh, charging locations um, and charging hardware, fleets, telematic systems. So they offer a lot of the um, uh, solutions and uh, software that's going to be needed to fully manage a uh, Gaddick uh, autonomous delivery vehicle. Now, uh, Gaddick has partnered in the past with Ryder in order to have the vehicles and lease these vehicles and be able to implement its delivery solution within it. Uh, they're currently actually running a 7.1 mile route uh, in the Alliance Texas Mobility Zone in Texas. Uh, and they're running that from a Walmart dark store to a Walmart neighborhood market. Uh, so it's uh, working out well for them so far. What's great is now they know that they can expand now with this uh, ChargePoint partnership. Uh, we always talk about that with autonomous, autonomous vehicles, whether it's a huge truck or something smaller like this, it's difficult to expand these fleets, not knowing where exactly they're going to be able to charge. I mean, at the end of the day, we already deal with trucks having issues coming when it comes to parking, when it comes to um, fine, 
filling up at the end of the day and the amount of time wasted for that. So it's good to know that we're starting to actually build the infrastructure that's needed to actually fuel a lot of these autonomous delivery services. Again, Gaddick is focused on that middle mile. So more of that business to business move, nothing too long, nothing like you see from someone like too simple um, and, and nothing too short where it's just a, right there in the city. So um, it's exciting to see that that's working out from. And again, if you want to hear more for them, uh, check out our future supply chain event, our first live in person event since I want to say 2019 or 18 at this point. Uh, so everyone go to live.freightwaves.com to learn more about that. But as we're talking about Walmart, it's important to know uh, how exactly these companies are fulfilling their new last mile delivery services. You see this from a number of grocers when it comes to someone like Walmart, Sam's Club, uh, even Kroger as well. I know how are they able to build out these delivery networks in order to actually fulfill the promise that they're making to their customers? Well, that comes in. Uh, <laughs> that is actually helped with our guest today, which is Tom. He's the CEO of Point Pickup Technologies. I was the founder of that as well. How are you doing today, Tom? Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Grace. Thanks for having me. Great to see you again. I, I saw you a few months ago at, at one of the conferences. Great to be out. Yeah, and my hair wasn't this blue, so uh, I was excited to, uh, I was going to tell you, I thought about emailing you and be like, don't be shocked, but I figured let's just do an on-air surprise and see if you I like it. I like it. It looks great. It looks great. <laughs> well, uh, Tom, can you uh, describe your background, especially because you didn't start in freight, so I'd love for our audience to learn what really got you into this industry and, and why it, you thought it was important to um, create Point Pickup. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I'll let you know a little secret. Actually, I, I, I did out of college. I actually studied uh, logistics, and then my first years, I worked for Pepsi in, in in distribution. But but to your point, no, I really didn't start in freight. Uh, I'm delusionarily optimistic as a human being and, and paranoid, so I start with those two questions to begin with. But um, I, I had come from a, a background of building businesses uh, involved in a lot of different areas, including in uh, finance, and understood. Uh, a little bit uh, back in 14, 15, and 16, where I thought that the industry might go. And, and this is an area that I thought that we could really help solve some some problems. Awesome. Now, can you describe what, what Point Pickup does and the solution it's providing for your customers like Walmart? Sure. Uh, yeah, we, we have a lot of customers. And, and just to be clear, I don't ever talk about any specific one, but we do have a lot of customers. Um, <laughs> we are an enablement platform. You, you spoke of DoorDash a little bit earlier. We, we um, have the tools, the flexible labor, uh, and the opportunity both for the capacity side, meaning the people who do the work and the people who need the work. And we are that, that form or that platform. I know it's an overused word, but we are the, the system, if you will, including all of the people. We have half a million folks on our platform in 50 states, 26,000 zip codes that provide uh, the needs of our retailers. We're a B2B only. Uh, we do not do any B2C, and we are, if, if any company would like to do as much of their own owning of their own customers, their own data, we provide those tools and human labor uh, and, and all the aspects to go along with it for them to be able to perform and own their own brands. What was... What do you think is the biggest challenge for for yourself and other companies that are looking to build out this type of of network in order to accomplish this, this B two B service? 
Yeah, I think if, if you start at the root of it all, really, and everybody would agree, and you mentioned a little bit before, it's about um, sharing of resources. So if you think about efficiencies, we can, we're not going to talk today, but we can spend a lot of time on efficiencies and routing and batching and but it's really about shared resources. And if it's shared labor, you're, you need a platform of which is agnostic to the others to be able to offer a shared labor pool, the ability then to have and design a system with flexibility and scalability and the efficiencies um, to allow retailers to you know, shape their customers. So the number one, I believe, um, challenge, if you will, or or solve that you need to make is sharing of flexible labor in an efficient basis, um, and and that that is probably the simplest way that I can describe to you what goes into that can get a little bit more complicated, but it's it's really the sharing of resources. We all know that the sharing economy that's that's what people talk about, but that's really what you have to do. I think what we found in the last three years with the um, really the acceleration due to the pandemic is companies trying to silo themselves, whether it's, you, you mentioned DoorDash, I'll only use that, I don't usually use names, but all these companies that are trying to build their own silos, um, that really is not going to have a future sustainability in both cost and in the ability to retain um, the resources. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And I think, you know, it's interesting as we're having issues with clearly finding enough truck drivers to fulfill capacity. I think the gig economy is, is having that same problem, too. Uh, but you guys have recently uh, released GigPoint, which I think is is helpful to uh, attracting and, and sh- getting a part of that shared driver experience. Can you talk a little bit about why GigPoint was important for your company to deploy and create. Yeah, and, and, and just to be clear, delivery is only one silo of the use of flex labor. Um, it was most important to build a platform of support for retention. If you're gonna offer, as I mentioned earlier in my thesis, the shared ability and scale, you need to retain folks on the platform that they wanna come back to that platform they want to have the resources and the support, the community, the flexibility yeah. of work, the different types of work. That's why we built it. Uh, we built it for ourselves, and now it's becoming quite uh, evident that many people want to uh, participate in it, both on the folks that need the workers and the folks that are doing the work. How does it work? Can you describe exactly how it's incentivizing the drivers and and uh giving them a reason to, to, to come back and continue to work for, for pickup. Yeah. So just think of it pretty simply stated without going too deep in it. What a prediction that I've made, you might not have heard me in the past. I believe in, and I said this a year ago, so now it's only four years. I said five years. In five years or four years from now, 50% of the U.S. population, at least in the shift work and hourly work, will not work for a single company. So what is it that these folks really need um, and we need to care for them? We call it the caring economy. They need the support. First, they need um, opportunities like flexible hours, flexible shifts, easy execution, reliability, 
Okay, they need sustained operations. They need to be considered the backbone of our economy. So you first have to build something that allows them to have all of that. Then you need to give them the support, very much emulating a relationship with an employer. What does your employer give you, Grace? That's what we do, whether it's banking, whether it's healthcare, whether it's financial services, community experiences, education, monitoring. This is what this platform, it's revolutionary. It is the only of its kind in the sense of not taking legacy processes and putting technology in it, but it's redoing how we look at the future of work. And that's what the platform does. Yeah, and I think uh, all of those areas are usually the biggest complaints that you hear from drivers in within the gig economy, right? Like they want mm-hmm. to be able to, like you said, have multiple jobs, have the ability to be a flex worker, but they also want to know that, you know, they have the banking systems available like everyone else, or they have the benefits that other companies are offering. So I think that's, honestly, it is very revolutionary. And I think it's something that should be looked at in, in every type of gig economy type of uh, a business model, whether it's transportation, supply chain, or something else. So I was really happy to, to dive into that and see that from you guys. Because I think that really is, it's the solution to the problem that many have with sustaining this type of model at the end of the day. Yes, I think you're absolutely correct, Grace. And, and actually other industries are, are, are approaching us. But because if you, if you think about it, you can, you can build the scale and the processes for one industry, you can do it in others. But I would just tell you, like, I, I look at the root, you know, people want to know, I was just at a conference um, last three days, and, and many people talked about the consumer and the concentration of the consumer. We concentrate, you asked me what I really do. What I really do is provide a, a solution and the best environment for the people who actually drive all of our, our, our answers, people who bring you things, people who stock it, fulfill it, uh, uh, shop it. That's what we do. We, we provide an environment for the caring economy. If you solve that, everything else will be a waterfall effect. And that's really, I think people concentrate, how can we get the consumer faster, better, cheaper? Well, the only way you're going to do that is to figure out how you're going to get the people and the technology to do it faster, better, cheaper, right? So I, I, yeah. I just look at it. I don't even consider it revolutionary, although I, I agree with you. And, and I think I, I mentioned that earlier. Uh, and thank you. But I really look at it from a standpoint of this is life. People who have normally not been given the ability to work, prosper, enjoy. That's what my original thesis was six years ago. Earn, manage your life and enjoy your life. I've never changed from it. That's been the mission and we continue to do it. And now as the COVID pandemic really accelerated, uh, we seem to be um, hitting that at the right time. Yeah, and and doing research, it sounds like a lot of your flex workers, instead of like a lot of more of the driver apps, right, maybe Uber or something like that, where they route them to the the nearest location right away or or focus more on, you know, like what's in the basket, what can they handle? Uh, yours focuses more on sending people to the same flex job or um, almost making them the the workers feel familiar with the services that they're continuing to provide every day, which I think also 
leads to optimizing uh, that experiment, experiment, but also that will make them happier too at the end of the day to see familiar faces to um, if they're, let's say they are picking up an order, like the person that's giving them the order is going to want to see the same delivery people every day and create, you know, that back and forth type of rapport. So um, I think that's what I really love when doing research on what you're doing, because you're almost focused on making the flex job as an experience more enjoyable um, knowing that those that role is going to be needed compared to um, making, like you said, as fast as possible. Yeah, I think it's a it's a balance, right, Grace? Um, you are absolutely correct. That that is the thesis uh, to to get closer to an experience, not only for the consumer, but for as I, my thesis would tell you, if we make it better for the people doing the work, it's going to be better for the people who experience the result of the work. But it's a balance. In the world of everything, you know, as fast as you can get it, you have to balance your technology and your solutions to accommodate on-demand instant and also try to keep that that um, kind of mission that, that we've had. So it is definitely a balance. And, and we, we look at that every day to try to accommodate both sides because we're an agnostic platform. So some, some folks want to utilize the labor on an on-demand instant basis. So you have to accommodate that. Uh, and many others like to use it um, and want, would love to have, uh, I think our numbers were 75% of our gig workers are repeating at the same uh, facility because we don't only, you know, we do stores, dark stores, warehouses, facilities, we sorters, drivers, cashiers, you know, merchandisers. Uh, we're, we're a flex labor platform. So that's, that, that is the goal. Uh, but we certainly want to accommodate all of our clients uh, based on what their, what their needs are and their missions are. I love that. Now, let's uh, play a game that I've been uh, doing with my guests recently called sure. What Type of Consumer Are You? Uh, it's yeah. kind of a, a lean into a couple of different consumer changes over the last couple of years. Uh, so my first one is, and this kind of goes with what you're doing anyways, um, do you prefer now to buy groceries in store or I guess still buy groceries in store or are you now getting them online and delivered to your home? You know, it's a great one. I, I'm actually have become a hybrider. Um, there was always a time, you know, Italian kid. I like to go pick out my own strawberries and, and tomatoes. If I can feel really good now that I'm getting the local farmer that I believe that grocery store has for me, then I am I am using as much online. I, it was a funny one of those, you know, uh, moments. I guess uh, last summer, sitting on the back porch with my wife, and we. We experienced a lot of the delivery because we're in the business, so we try a lot of the different delivery companies. And when it was a nice sunny day, and you have a glass of wine, you're like, "Wow, this is pretty good." We're like, "Oh shit, shoot, we're we're in the business," uh, you know. We're like, right? So we're we're, we're conversions. We're 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 liking the delivery, even though I was in the business, I still like you know shopping myself. But I would say that we're a hybrid. Not every week, maybe, but uh, certainly more than we ever used to. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is that recently when I was doing uh, delivery, they asked me if I wanted to start using the same uh, person, right? Which like goes back to exactly what you're doing. It's, it's the play on that same model. So it's funny, yeah. full circle on that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, my last one for you is, would you ever buy a car online, not go and, and test drive it prior? Uh, so the word, I guess it's an interesting question because I have done that. Um, I actually, I've done 
I've done two things on that. I, I rented a ski home online, never saw it. it was fantastic. And I, but I, I can't tell you that I've, the car, I did go actually, either I rented a car, or I actually had driven it, but I ended up buying it online. So I'm not sure if that counts, but yeah, but, I'll let, I'll let it count. Well, I'll let that one yeah. count. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, where can people find more about uh, Point Pickup? Yeah, you can go, um, obviously, on, on LinkedIn with my name, but you can go to pointpickup.com. Uh, we're out there in all the social media and Facebook and, and LinkedIn and, and, and uh, 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 Twitter and everywhere else. But all, all the obvious social media, just type in Point Pickup or type in uh, Final Mile Delivery or Same Day Delivery or, or Flex Labor, and you'll probably find us. Awesome. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. us. And we'll have to have you on again in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love to talk about it and love the hair. You look great. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, to all of our audience out there, remember that Point of Sale is a community. So make sure that you subscribe to our newsletter, subscribe to our podcast, wherever you're listening to this. Again, I also have a new daily show on Sirius XM Radio, uh, the Road Dog Channel, Channel 146. You can check me out uh, Monday through Friday, 5 to 7. Give me a call, too, at 8888-ROAD-DOG, and we can chat about all of our fun supply chain uh, topics as well. So uh, thank you, everyone, for checking out again Point of Sale, and I will see you next week. (laughs) 